hey everyone, welcome to the Podcast of Oz. This is Jared with uh, Nathan Dehoff. Hello. And uh, considering that the new movie Oz the Great and Powerful has been released, um, we thought we might want to talk about how the early history of Oz was talked about in Bomb's books. Now, I've seen the new movie, and but I know Nathan hasn't. No, but I uh, as I just said, but that's not exactly going to be our topic right now. The early history of Oz isn't exactly something Baum goes into. He was he and the other later writers were much more concerned with creating new adventures rather than looking back. Yeah, it's basically true. Yeah. Which isn't bad. It's just that's the way they worked. I think that the main um parts where it does say something about the past, there's uh there's the the bit in uh Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz and bit in um Ten Woodman of Oz are probably the two major ones. And, of course, there's a little bit in uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and The Marvelous Land of Oz. Never the, the focus, but there's some talk on it. In The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, pretty much all we know is that the wizard uh, arrived in Oz by a balloon and was made the ruler of the people, and he had everyone build the Emerald City, and, well, that was it. <laughs> Pretty much. There. Um, he did say that the witches were already there when he arrived, which is, I don't, I don't know. I know that's different from like what it said, from what it said in Wicked and and in probably, and I think in Oz the Great and Powerful too. Even though I haven't seen it, the impression I get is that they hadn't really started up yet, started up as wicked witches yet. And there's also a little bit where when the witch was about to use the golden cap. And uh, it mentions that she used the golden cap to make the Winkies her slave and drive the wizard out of the West. So when did that happen? Yeah, it's not clear whether he landed there first and then had to leave or whether he came there later on. It could, could be either way. Now, he said drive it out of the West. Yeah, so, And this is after she made the Winkies her slaves. So did he try to like lead a army or something to uh, oust the Wicked from power? Ruling the Winkies? Possible. It's possible, yeah. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> Never really told. It's an interesting idea, though, because I think it's something people sometimes tend to forget, that it does say that, that the Winged Monkeys were sent against the wizard at one point. Which is, of course, why when Dorothy threatens to summon them again, the wizard's like, oh, okay, yeah, you can see me again. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Marvelous Land of Oz offers us some more in- information about the wizard. We're told that he's the one who turned Ozma over to Mombi. The thing is, though, that uh, he's not exactly... Bomb doesn't exactly say exactly why the wizard did it. It sounds like he did it because he needed to do it to become king, but that doesn't really fit with the character we knew from the first book and, of course, the later books. Now, what I've heard is that... It- it, it is that that was the wizard being more villainous was something that came in in the stage play, and so that was kind of far from foremost in Baum's mind at the time when he wrote that. Yeah, and that could have been part of why he had a more e- hinted at a more more sinister background for the wizard. Of course, it doesn't specifically contradict Wonderful Wizard, yet it does seem that if he's like if he's like kidnapping people, but secure his throne he's not a good man or a good wizard yeah contrary to what he said and then over in uh, dorothy and the wizard and oz things get even more complicated 
we're told that pretty much the Wicked Witches were the ones who were responsible for bringing the old monarch to an end, and it sounds like Mombi took Ozma herself. And then the wizard arrived. Yeah, it's definitely kind of whitewashing it because trying to make the wizard into a good guy again, kind of. Yeah, it's like Bombo saying, oops, well, um, let's just redo that. The problem is, though, that Mombi confirms the information in Marvel's Land of Oz while Glinda's interrogating her with a pearl of truth. So, it's like, uh, if she lied, then something's yeah, going on. Say that. Yeah. And I don't think, really think Ozma would, would be talking to the wizard about it if he knew what, what had really happened. Yeah, it's definitely confusing. Also, that's when Ozma says that um, that all the past rollers were named Oz and Ozma, yet in Marvelous Land of Oz, she's, uh, her father's name was Pastoria, which his name could have been like Oz Pastoria, or it could be a contradiction. We don't really know. It really isn't very clear at all. There has been a rather ingenious story written that kind of explains how this works together. Uh, Oz and the Three Witches by Hugh Pindexter III. Uh, you've read that one, right? I've read that one, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much what they explain is that, the wizard, yes, the wizard did turn uh, Ozma over to, uh, to Mombi because he knew that uh, she would keep her safe, even though that uh, he was a fake wizard and she was a witch who didn't have the best intentions at heart. He more or less uh, convinces her that he's powerful enough to do something to her if she ever does anything bad to Ozma. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting in in Marvelous Land of Oz, Mombi does say that that the wizard taught her some tricks of magic, and we learn more about that in Oz and the Three Witches. Basically, he tricks her into thinking he does have magic, because obviously he didn't at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Some were good tricks and some were only frauds, but I have remained faithful to my promise, she says. So pretty much the what occurs is that once she finds out the wizard has left Oz, she more or less assumes he can't really do anything to me now. And since the Scarecrow's king, she's like, I'll just turn Tip into a marble statue, no one will find out he's Ozma, that's it. But, uh, yeah. and of course, as the story goes, that's not uh, it's not that easy. No, it's it's confusing because there really wasn't necessarily any attempt to come up with a consistent history at that point. The thing is, though, that um, uh, thanks to Pindexter's story, we do have a little bit of explanation of how these two accounts, the Marvelous Land and Dorothy and the Wizard, aren't exactly uh, irreconcilable. No, and the other thing I noticed about Dorothy and the Wizard was that it says... Um, the, that Mombi was captured Ozma's grandfather, then her father, and no, she, she was the jailer of Ozma's grandfather, then of Ozma's father, then of Ozma herself, and it and it makes it sound kind of like they were both born into captivity. But if you want to take into account the wizard giving Ozma to Mombi, it doesn't specifically say they were born into captivity. It just says she jailed all three at one point. I kind of think what happens here is Ozma is actually more or less saying this for the benefit of Dorothy, and she's a bit more glossing over a few details than the wizard, and I could just imagine her slipping a slight look at the wizard like, yeah, you know what you did. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) 
since I guess Dorothy wouldn't know all this since she wasn't there at, in the time of Marvelous Land. Um, so this begins to put together how long was the Wizard of Oz before the events of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. I'm guessing that uh, if Ozma was a baby at the time he arrived, then we're probably looking at no longer than 10 years. Yeah, that's, I would think that. And yet he also says he grew from a young man to a very old man. And he could be exaggerating, but... Is 10 years enough to even be, go from a young man to a slightly old man? Now, the illustrations aren't really much to go by, especially since we have the difference between Neil and Denslow. But Denslow depicts the wizard as uh, back then, and then uh, as he is at the time wonderful wizard, as not too different from uh, looking from each other. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was in Paradox in Oz where Eric Schenauer drew a wizard who was, like, younger-looking, who had, like, a full head of hair. I can't remember for sure, but I think I think there was a picture of that, like, flashing back to when he first came back to Oz and he was considerably younger-looking. Well, I know that in Enchanted Apples of Oz, uh, Eric drew the wizard, and he pretty much looks the same way that John O'Neill drew him. yeah. Which, you know, I kind of prefer because, you know, considering everything the wizard does in the later books, you have to realize he can't be that old. No. And I mean, just because he's bald doesn't mean he's that old. Well, yeah, I know a guy who's under 30 who's gone bald pretty much. Would this mean that if we're taking this into consideration, well, I don't think we would piece together, would he have arrived at the time when the uh, Wicked Witches were pretty much trying to take over the most of the land themselves. Yeah, pretty much is what I'd say. It it sounds like um, the Wicked Witches of the North and South, who are mentioned, uh, the Wicked Witch of the North's Mombi, the Wicked Witch of the South doesn't appear in any of Baum's books that we know of. But they pretty much had already been defeated by the Good Witches of the North and South. But the Wicked Witches of the East and West are still as powerful as ever and maybe trying to gain more power. Rachel Cosgrove, Pays, and Eric Schneller both created uh, two different Wicked Witches of the South. Who Eric Schneller later commented that they weren't exactly, you know, contradicting each other. That there could very well be two uh, Wicked Witches of the, of the South. Yeah. I, I kind of go with that because I like really both of their stories. Yeah, so do I. And I mean, he did illustrate the the Wicked Witch of Oz. So there's there's definitely, yeah kind of a thing where they could both be semi-canonical. So, the story we kind of have going here is that, more or less, the wizard arrives in Oz during one of its most tumultuous times. You know, the king's just been deposed. Apparently, the proper area of the throne is nowhere near old enough to even start ruling. Yeah. And there's the Wicked Witch just trying to take over, and... Somehow, he managed just to keep them at bay and build the Emerald City and convince everyone that he's a big, uh, mighty wizard, so the Wicked Witches stay away. Which is a pretty good feat. <laughs> For a guy with no magic. Yeah. Which, you know, you consider this, and you look at uh, the some of the uh, other stories that I've been creating, they're like, oh, why didn't they go with that? So, who knows? Maybe someone could eventually write a somewhat definitive version of uh, how the wizard exactly came to Oz. I mean, it's been told, and, you know, aside from Oz and the Three Witches, there's also How the Wizard Came to Oz by uh, Donald Abbott. Donald Abbott, yeah. Which, it, it's not a bad story, but it's just kind of bland. 
Yeah, that's what I thought too. It was it wasn't as good as Oz and the Three Witches, although there were a couple issues it it addressed that Oz and the Three Witches didn't, like where the Guardian of the Gates came from, for instance. So yeah, it, it did delve a bit more into the entire backstory of the whole Oz story, but uh, yeah, most of the ones I've read that, and I've also read how the Wizard saved Oz and. Like I said, they, they're not bad, but they're but not that much happens, kind of. In Tin Woodman of Oz, that there there is a mention of of the past, and um, yeah. but it doesn't really say anything about the wizard. It says it, it, but it does talk about how how um. Yeah, well, yeah, Tin Woodman of Oz kind of help kind of winds up complicating things because until this book made it clear that Ozma is a fairy princess, which. You know, up until now, we'd pretty much just assumed she was the rightful ruler of Oz, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, that she. I mean, if if her whole family had been fairies, they presumably wouldn't have died at all, and there would be no need for a line of Ozes and Ozmos. Eventually, Jack Snow picked up on this, and in his first Oz book, The Magical Mimics and Oz, he uh, more or less suggested that uh, Ozma is was Pistoria's adopted daughter, actually. That Lillian had uh, uh, left to take over, which kind of does uh, explain the messy bit of wait a minute. So Ozma has a father. Why doesn't she have a mother? Yeah, I mean, if he was, if she was adopted, and he might not have even had a wife, which would explain why he didn't have any heirs. But we don't know. I mean, there there could have there could have been a mother that who we just never who just never comes into the story. Why wouldn't he have married at all? Yeah, you'd think he would have. You'd think he kind of would have had to, being king and all. Of course, he could have had. He could have had a bunch of other kids who died young. We don't really know. There's a. There's so many possibilities where you could go with this that, you know, that's why we have so many different stories from people who've written their own versions of what happened. And unfortunately, none of them are considered absolutely official because, well, no one can really do it. And even after Ball, most of the other. Writers, there were there were hints at things that happened before, but no total backstory. There were there were no prequels until fans decided to write them. Basically, they were all sequels. Yeah, because like Thompson didn't say a whole lot about it either, and I mean she did bring in Pastoria as a character, but even there, it didn't say a whole lot about about the, the wizard Nozma. Wait, Pastoria wound up being a tailor. Yeah, was he gay? <laughs> <laughs> he could have been. <laughs> we don't know how. <laughs> in the play, he was in the play. He he had dated that. He dated a waitress though, <laughs> but that doesn't really count. Uh, the play's not canon. No. <laughs> then we might want to ask what happened to Ozma's other father. <laughs> well, maybe that was Pachuca. I don't know. Maybe I might want to step away from this. All right. So the early history of Oz, I I, I don't know. I'm mean, like. Some people say, well, it's really hard to figure out, but I'm always like, sometimes if you look at Bomb the right way, sometimes it all just becomes clear. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily as complicated as it seems, um, because because a lot of the things that kind of seem like contradictions at first could have explanations, but it definitely requires a bit of creativity on the part of the person pulling it together. Yeah. Which I guess is good in a way. I mean, he was inspiring other people to write, which 
you know, he probably would have won it anyway. That's the thing about the Oz books is that, and especially helped by the fact that a lot of public domain and people write uh, their own Oz stories now, is that they do inspire people to think and create things. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, with Oz, the... I, I once called it the open source fantasy, whereas, you know, you have, uh, if you wrote a new story about, say, Middle Earth, Narnia, Harry Potter, it'd just be fan fiction. Yeah. But whereas with Oz, you can actually, in the opinions of most fans, you can actually mess with the canon a little bit. Yeah, I think there's kind of two factors there. One is that a lot of it, all the bombs certainly, and some and some books by other authors as well, are public domain. So you can get your stu- so you can get your work published. You're not you're not violating copyright by doing that. And also that since it was kind of established as a multi-author work series anyway, it makes you hold a little more. Whereas if it had just been bomb and no one else had ever written any. You know, it kind of seems like it might be a little considered a little more sacrilegious to write your own, so to speak. Well, thank goodness that that's not what happened. Okay, so there we go. What's the early history of Oz? Maybe, well, see, both Nathan and I here are writers of Oz fiction at some point. Yeah. Either of us could uh, try to take in our hands, or maybe one of our listeners could. I think as I always just find it best to always try to take a look back into what, uh, what's already been established in the canon because some of it is not quite as hard to solve as you might think. Yeah. All right. Well, and with that, I think we'll start uh, closing out here. To all listeners, thanks for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of, huh, maybe we should call this confusing conundrums uh, of, uh, of continuity. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much we figured out that, of course, as specified in Tin Woodman, which we haven't mentioned before yet uh, in this podcast, that Lurleen made Oz a fairyland. And then it seems that when Pastoria became king, she presented him with an adopted daughter, Ozma. But shortly after, that's when the Wicked Witches took over and the wizard arrived. And the wizard, with best intentions, turned uh, Ozma over to uh, Mombi. And about ten years later, Dorothy arrived. Yeah, it sounds... Sounds about taking into consideration most of the different things. Yes. And uh, apparently, either if, uh, maybe a couple years later, that's when Tip made that pumpkin head and escaped from Mombi. And thus, all his history established. As well as it could be, I suppose. Alright, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this, Nathan. I'm here. And hopefully our listeners aren't too confused by now. Yeah. Everyone, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.